This episode of Risen Motherhood is funded by our generous donors. If you like this podcast, please consider joining them at risenmotherhood.com forward slash give. Motherhood is hard. One second, we think we're doing a good enough job, and the next, we feel like the worst mom on the planet, which is why we need the refreshing truth of the gospel to be repeated over and over, giving us hope in the everyday moments. So mama, whether you're sipping cold coffee or doing a sink full of dishes, we hope you'll find truth, encouragement, and laughter here. This is the Risen Motherhood Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're excited to welcome Debbie Martins to the Risen Motherhood Podcast. Debbie is a woman who has invested deeply in both Emily and I at different points in our lives, pointing us to Christ and challenging us in our walks with God. Debbie's interview is part of our series on faithful motherhood, where we're talking with women whose children are grown and how the gospel has impacted their motherhood over the years. These are not meant to be prescriptive interviews for how to do motherhood, just a glimpse at one woman's unique walk and lessons learned as she lived out her calling in the Lord. Today, we're talking with Debbie about the value of bringing her children alongside her in her work, what it looks like to maintain a commitment to God's word in the little years, and she opens up about struggling through a season of anger while raising her young children. Debbie is a wife and a mom to seven grown children and a grandmother to five. She leads her local church's children's ministry, maintains a small acreage in central Iowa, and is an avid bread baker and seamstress. Now let's get to the show with Emily, Debbie, and myself. Well, hi, Debbie. Thanks so much for joining us on Risen Motherhood today. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to get to be with you. Oh, we are so excited to have you. I have Emily here with me as well. And as you probably heard in the intro, Debbie is one of these people that just will always hold a very special (laughs) place in Emily and my life. She has invested in us at different points in our lives, which is kind of neat. And Mm -hmm. maybe we can share a little bit of that. But she is someone who we think has really lived faithfully and a very godly life. And so we're excited for her to just be able to Mm -hmm. share her wisdom today with all of you guys. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel like I'm. we're letting you guys in on a little treat that we've been hiding. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. We're actually recording in Debbie's kitchen, which mm-hmm. Laura and I have both spent lots of time Countless in. Countless hours, yes. And so it's just a joy to even give you guys a peek into our kind of local life mm-hmm. and our personal relationships that have really formed us as well as we're communicating the gospel. Um, Debbie's definitely someone who's poured gospel truth yeah. into us and is one of the many reasons why we have anything really to mm-hmm. share. Yeah, when we talk yeah. about older, wiser women on the show, this is one of them. So you guys are <laughs> going to hear firsthand. So with all that lead in, Debbie, sorry. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. <laughs> no, we kind of put the pressure on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Help our listeners get to know you. Kind of, you know, how many children do you have? What's a day look like in your life? Well, thank you for that gracious introduction, but honestly, it's just it's just fun to be with you girls because um, I tell people often that I try to rub shoulders with the younger generation because I don't want to grow old, but also because I just I have so much yet to learn from you guys. So thank you for faithfully proclaiming the gospel to young women, and it's a privilege really to get to be a part of that. So I am married to Terry, and we've been married for 41 years, if you can believe that, and uh, blessed with seven precious children, and they really are precious. Two girls, first of all, and then five boys, ranging in age from 37 to 22. 
Four of our seven children are married, so we've added to our children, and I regard them as additions, through a son-in-law and three daughters-in-law. So we've expanded our family. We currently have six grandchildren that I absolutely adore, and we're right now we're open nesters. As all Ooh, I of, like that. Yeah, we're not empty. We're just open to whatever God might bring our way, and uh, all of our children have moved either They've moved out of the home. They're either close by or some are far away. So that's where they're at. And what does kind of one of your days look like, or what are you involved with today? Yeah. My days look a whole lot different than they did when the children were around us and growing up. But um, I try, I seek to volunteer where I can within my local community uh, through the schools or um, I'm get, right now I'm getting to tutor through a program here in our county, and I really appreciate that. Tutor some children in reading. My days are, are filled with whatever Terry needs me to be doing, and then life on the acreage keeps me pretty busy. And so through that and my church involvement, that's what my, my days are filled. But I'll, I'll tell you a little bit later about just some of the ways my days looked when we were growing up. But I'll just introduce myself this way, too, by saying that my early years of motherhood really started out in suburban Chicago. We moved from where we now live to suburban Chicago with just one child and came back with five. So my days were really full, and I had a lot of young motherhood days in the suburban Chicago area, and really, really liked that. But after our fifth child was born, we moved back to this acreage where we currently live. So for the sake of most of my kids, this is all they've ever known Mm -hmm. is life here on the acreage and uh, all that goes with life on an acreage. You had asked me at one point about just what my involvement was like in in ministry, children's ministry. So Terry and I together have been involved in various forms of of children's ministry for probably about 30 years now. We've been nursery directors and Sunday school teachers and um, helped with midweek programs, and we currently direct the children's ministry at our local church. And my commitment to children's ministry usually um, revolved around whatever my children were involved in. If I was taking them, I thought, I might as well go, and I wanted to also be involved to know what they were learning. So I did did a lot of that. Uh, I just chose to be where they were and supported the teachers and whatever was happening in that environment. So even today, my days are filled a lot with children. I spent the better part of this morning doing schedules and plans for the fall for what we'll be doing with children's ministry, and I like that. Did you did you work when you were a young mom? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know these answers, but for the benefit <laughs> of our audience, tell us a little bit about kind of work or ministry commitments that you might have had. Yeah. So my, my degree, I always tell everyone, my degree was in child development from Iowa State University, and so I've been practicing my degree. I've developed children through the years. <laughs> So I did teach in the public school for three years, but um, when Terry and I were married, he said, you know, I'd really just like you to stay home and kind of volunteer your time and do what you could do at the church or in the community. So I retired after three years of teaching, and uh, we were at home. And then when we started having children, God led us to begin to homeschool our kids. So we homeschooled all of our children, probably through most of their junior high years. And then we did some cooperative networking things with other homeschoolers in the community. My days of motherhood were filled with a lot of homeschooling. So I did work, though, outside the home, you might say. I had a, um, we wanted to teach our children how to work and how to work well. And so an opportunity arose for us to do some cleaning as a family. And so we would take the children and 
largely me, would they would go with me one at a time and we would do cleaning of these apartments or whatever needed to be done. And um, that I feel like was a good tool. Like for one thing, they got paid. And so they, you know, the monetary value encouraged them, but also they learned how to work alongside me doing that. And then life on the acreage just always involved work of some kind that they had to be a part of. So I, I used to also, believe it or not, when uh, one local retail store needed blankets made for photo ops, I would sew the binding on those late at night. So I did this when we were in the suburban Chicago area. I would get the binding, and then I would sew the binding around those blankets late at night. And it was just a little source of pocket income, but not anything that was supporting at all. And then for a while, I had a bread business. I baked bread I'm and tickets. I didn't stuff. know. My jaw just dropped. I didn't know that either. Okay, keep going. So I, it's not a surprise, I, because I, Debbie is a master baker, a wonderful seamstress. She taught uh, me how to sew. I didn't ever do very well, but she did try to teach must me. Must not have been a great teacher. No. no, no, no. So we... Um, Someone exposed me to grinding our own wheat and making your own bread that way. And so I started selling it when we lived in Wheaton. And we moved back here. We thought, let's just try this at the farmer's market. It was a huge hit. I I even won grand champion at the state fair. And so I put my little ribbon there, you know, and that really, I'm sure, helped the bread to sell. People in Iowa love their state fair. It's a big deal. (laughs) So, um, So I've dabbled in a lot of things, but never... Never anything that was very time-consuming. If it started to be too imposing on our time, my time in particular, then we didn't do it. And a lot of those things fell in the summer. The bread baking, the farmer's market, the doing the other things that we did that related to gardening. That was summertime, and I was taking a break from teaching at that point. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I've really, and I'm sure Laura has to gleaned from you, is just the value of hard work and mm. modeling that for children. Because... Whether or not, you know, I know we all get work paid jobs to varying capacities, but there is a ton of work involved in mm. running a home, managing an acreage, and then you use your gifts in all kinds of ways in the church, in the community. And I see a little snippet of that now and just think, wow, Debbie really works hard. You know, you mm. wake up in the morning work hard throughout the day and you've passed that along to your children. Mm. And it's fun because we have relationships with several of your children <laughs> who just serve and Mm. know how to serve and know when people come over to have a meal at your house, you know, how you have things prepared and the way that you show hospitality. And so I can really tell that that is something you've modeled Mm. um, through the years is just that, that really hard work in whatever it is that you're doing. And I know that's something God has, you know, taught you as well. Mm, mm. So to get to kind of our first meteor question, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about what was one of your bigger fears or worries as a mom of a young, Mm. of young children? Mm -hmm. And did that fear turn out to be founded in truth? How did God meet you there and sustain you in the face of fears and challenges? Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you gave me some of these questions in advance that I could think about them. And it's and it's hard to identify the biggest fear because I think I I had several fears yes. as a young mom. But I think the answer that I thought about is and I summed it up by saying I just feared that I wasn't going to be enough mom for all those children, that there wouldn't be enough of me to meet their needs. And I I was never really concerned about our status or whether or not the kids dressed in the latest fashion. So I wasn't trying to keep up with the Joneses in that, but I more just was 
would wrestle with, are they going to have what they need in character? Are they going to have what they need in knowledge to help them succeed in life and to do what they need to do? And uh, the truth that really encouraged me during those times when that fear would grip me is that God would remind me, you are not enough, Debbie, (laughs) but Jesus is. That may sound trite, but it was freeing to realize I don't have all that it takes to give these kids the character they they should have. I don't have all the energy it's going to take at the end of a day to be sure they've done all the assignments they need to get done. <laughs> and But I can trust God to be big in their life. And so I just sought then to obey and listen to what God would have me do and then leave the future in His hand and whatever direction He had for their lives in, in His hands as well. I have a little saying downstairs in the basement that says, God is the blessed controller of all things. And I put that there for my sake to remind me He is in control of all things, and He is loving and shaping character far more than I could ever do. Now, that didn't abdicate my responsibility as a parent. I still had to listen, obey, and do what it was that God wanted me to do. But I saw myself then as more of a tool and not bearing the burden or the whole weight of what I was doing wrong or right in my children's lives. Because I was... I realized early on, too, I was going to do plenty of wrong things. Prior to having children, Terry and I thought we we knew all there was to know about parenting. And we had the privilege of watching different children before we had kids, and we would talk, oh, I think our kids should not do that, or that's the way we'll handle that. And then we had children, and that all went by the wayside, which I've heard more than one parent say. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure every parent's yeah. gone through that. <laughs> and, and that's good, actually, to be stripped of ourselves mm-hmm. and have to rely on the Lord. And so I'm really glad that happened. Yes, definitely very relatable (laughs) of all of us learning to kind of throw our expectations Mm -hmm. out the window Mm -hmm. once we realize how insufficient we are. But can you tell us like, what was one time that you just thought, oh no, I have completely Mm -hmm. messed up my children. Mm -hmm. And then how did God work in that? Was that true? And like, how did God turn your eyes back to him and help you depend on the sufficiency of Christ in that? So um, I'm given to emotion anyway, but I may, I may cry as I tell you this story. But without a doubt, when when I read that question, I thought, I remember thinking, because I really struggled with anger as a young mom, when I would respond that way, I would think, oh my word, I've really messed these kids up. Because um, I'm modeling a behavior that I don't want them to have to model or repeat and as they parent. And then I was hurting inside because I knew that my actions and my responses were not pleasing to God. And so I just had this vicious cycle of uh, recognizing it, repenting, going back to it, recognizing and repenting. And it was just a cycle in my life. And I, I knew it was not honoring to God. And I was fearful that I was going to mess up my kids' lives. But God was faithful to bring me into a knowledge of a book that someone wrote about the heart of anger. And I read that book, and I journaled through that book, chapter after chapter, and thought of ways that God just God just spoke to me and showed me applications He wanted to make in my life from that and from the Word as I read that book. That really helped me to understand what triggered my anger, and knowing what triggered my anger were things like expectations that I had of myself, 
that I had of Terry, that I had of the children, comparing my family to another family, holding too tightly to my own plans, and when those weren't fulfilled, then I would that would trip a trigger in anger. So I had to just call those things what they were in my life, which was sin, and not just excuse them or put them under the rug and say, oh, every mom has times of when they're frustrated with their kids. But rather, just nip it in the bud by telling God, this is sin. I I was wrong. I wasn't that I just, I can't excuse myself any longer. I began to seek His forgiveness more frequently, and I sought my children's forgiveness for where I modeled that wrongly. And then I had to learn, the hardest part was to learn to forgive myself, Mm -hmm. because I just was hardest on myself. But God did a work and continues to do a work in my life. And I've had conversations with some of my children since then, and they can tell you, Mom, there was a turning point for you. You you no longer, I wasn't concerned that you were going to respond in anger. And so God did that work. So, of course, I really regret any consequences for my wrong actions and the poor example that I was to the fam- to my family. But that just has driven me to the gospel and helped me to see that I was inadequate. I remain inadequate, but He is adequate. And to trust Him for those memories that may be difficult for the children as they recall my anger, but also to help them see they lived with a sinful mom who has a faithful God who will meet them at the point where they have need as well. So it also has helped that some of my children have become parents and they've said, I get it. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're much more forgiving of everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Isn't that the (laughs) case? And I I love that you shared about that because what's knowing you personally it's always so hard for me to imagine you responding someone to someone in anger, let alone a child. I mean, I can just mm. imagine you are so patient with young children and so gracious. And so what's really encouraging to me in that is just the reality that God did work yeah. in your Amen. life and did transform you through the Holy Spirit. Because mm-hmm. I can't even imagine that you know now. And it's also encouraging to me because I think that's something that I've wrestled with, you know, that cycle of responding in anger with a harsh word and then repenting and beating myself up and all of those things. And it's really encouraging to know that God is not done with me Mm -hmm. and that He is still working to transform me and cause me to just hate my sin Mm -hmm. and depend more on Christ. And so that's, I just, yeah, really appreciate that you were vulnerable and shared that. Yeah, I appreciate that too. I I echo everything Mm -hmm. both of you guys said. I think a lot of moms can really relate. We did a show, oh, was it two years ago now, Emily, maybe, on anger? And Mm -hmm. it was really, really popular. It was a two-part series. We'll link that in the show notes. But Debbie, really, you just listen to that and (laughs) (laughs) you got it all there. But I, I appreciate too you being vulnerable. It's really meaningful. I think a lot of moms can relate to that. And I, I know like Emily and I always talk about like we're excited for the maturity that comes with aging. Like mm-hmm. there are some things we're not excited for, but generally we're like really excited about mm-hmm. just kind of continuing to grow spiritually mm-hmm. and just like being transformed more into Christ. And we we know that just takes time, you mm-hmm. know, and that it doesn't happen overnight. God plays the long game. And so it's it's just mm-hmm. a good reminder in, in seeing God's faithfulness right in front of us. So another struggle young moms have is getting into Bible reading. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what did your quiet times or your time spent in the Word look like when you had young children? I'm I'm really blessed that when I was a young mom, someone challenged me to at least take five minutes a day in the Word. 
And uh, that didn't seem like a lot of time, but as a young mom, sometimes five minutes was a lot of time. But I, I really accepted that challenge, and I took that to heart. I've really greatly benefited from that spiritual discipline because it's built, it's helped to build within me the habit of Scripture reading, and uh, to where my day doesn't feel complete in some ways if I've not had that time. So I happen to be, I'm an early morning person, so that makes it a little easier for me. I, I like to get up early, and I found it kind of helpful to tune up for the day and be ready for whatever's going to come through that day. But I've, I've also discovered that the, the Bible really has a cleansing effect on my life. And so when, you know, I like to, to shower consistently, well, <laughs> spending time in the Word helps to reveal my sin. It helps to give me affirmation. It gives me direction. It gives me a Word that helps me to know, yes, this is, this is the right way. I want you to stay within it. And it comforts me. But there have been days that I've read my Bible and shut the cover and thought, now what did I read? <laughs> well, how does that apply to my life? You know, I, or I can't even remember by the time I fixed breakfast what it was I read. But I haven't looked to having to get this huge inspiration every day to be my reason for staying in the Word, but rather asking God, because if I do believe His Word is eternal, then I want to spend time in it. Sometimes I've read, and like I said, I've been interrupted by little ones, and I haven't gotten, didn't get as much out of it as I'd hoped to, or my mind just strayed as I read, and I had other things that were on my mind. But I'm grateful that throughout those times, even as a young mom, and even you know in the teen years, and even now, I have more time to spend in my quiet time, that God has allowed that discipline to continue. And He's to be praised and credited for that, because um, I don't necessarily have it within myself to just always want to get up and do that, but God has really driven me to the Word, and I've seen such hope come from it that I want to spend time in it. I often begin by reading or thinking about Psalms 139, 23 through 24 that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my anxious thoughts, it says in NAS, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And that helps me to to go to the Word with purpose and say, I need you to know my heart, because I don't know my own heart. (laughs) I need you to know my anxious thoughts and deal with them. And then I need you to give me direction. So I'm looking to you, Lord, for those very things. So help me. I've had the privilege of being involved in a lot of different studies through the years. And early on with young children, I was really more able to do that than I am than I was during those homeschooling years. I had to kind of pull back and not be as involved because I just didn't have the time to prepare to study like I wanted to. I think God allows those seasons, and there are times like that where you're just busy as a young mom and you can't be as involved in Bible studies or book studies as you want to be. So again, I would try to take advantage of summer when that would work for me or do an early morning something with another woman or something like that. But even though I couldn't always be involved in those things, Carrie and I made it a point to be faithfully involved in the local church and hearing the Word preached. So I felt like I was being fed not only through my own personal time in the Word, but through time of hearing the Word preached. And then we've usually always been involved in a small group or some kind of community, whether it's fellowship, we've sought to have people in the home or something. The Word has been important to me. And there were days when I had, I can remember this 
quite vividly because I had morning sickness with all of my pregnancies. So I, I, I didn't feel well for the first three months. I ate a lot of popcorn and laid, laid <laughs> yeah, on the couch. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember thinking, oh, I made this commitment to read the Bible for five minutes. I can barely keep my eyes open for five minutes. But I would, only by God's faithfulness, I would. And it was it was cleansing. It was helpful. And it it also helped me when I came out of that season to think, okay, Lord, you walked with me through that. You're going to walk with me through the rest of motherhood too. Instead of just setting that aside and then trying to get reacquainted, if that makes sense. So I'm grateful for his faithfulness to me and keeping me in the word. Yeah, I think it was funny. I was over here early this morning <laughs> discussing the gospel and we were talking about this very principle of I think I asked uh, Debbie something about, well, how do I stop and like remember the gospel? I feel like mm-hmm. I can't even get space for my situation. And you brought up the idea of five minutes and talking about, wow, we can waste five minutes really fast on our phones, on our computers, on who knows what. Like I could set a timer for five minutes and get my journal out or my Bible out and really spend just that time thinking about the gospel and remembering those truths. What a difference that could make to refocus my eyes on Christ. And so I think that's like a really tangible thing that any mom can do is we probably all have five minutes. Hopefully. Yeah, or even listen to it on an audio Bible yeah. mm-hmm, now. I mm-hmm. mean, you can still wash right. your dishes or whatever exactly. maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, Debbie, tell us, this is, I feel like this, I'm excited for this answer. So <laughs> can you give us a little bit of insight in what you did in motherhood that you felt like yielded some of the most fruit? Yeah. So th- this, this, was, this one came to me right away as an answer because um, I've seen this carried out in my children's lives and it just brings me such great joy. But early on in our married life, Terry and I just shared a mutual desire to want to have people in the home and to open our home up to share life with people. So we continued, we started doing that when we were early marrieds and there were no children, and then we've continued to do that. So um, sharing a meal or overnight or whatever might happen meant that our children sometimes had to share their space. They definitely had to share space around the table and the meal and whatever we were doing. They had to share their toys. And we all had to be vulnerable to the messiness that comes with having others in your life. But it really does thrill my heart today to see each and every one of them involved in hospitality in their own way with whatever God has blessed them with, some great, some small, but they love people and they're involved in people. And I I still, I used to say, and I still say that there, someone told me that there are only two things that are going to be with you in eternity, the Word of God and people. So I want to invest my time well here on earth in those two things, because if I'm going to spend eternity with them, I might as well get used to how to do that. So I also really realized, I was challenged, that I didn't want to just be hospitable to others, but that I really wanted to try to do that with my own family and make meal times a special time for them, where they really felt like I didn't just set the table nice when we had company, but that they were company in my life. So we would create memories by spreading a picnic blanket out on the living room floor and having a picnic. Or I spent weekly visits to the local store to pick up empty cardboard refrigerator boxes so the boys could create forts or who knows what was created down through the years with those, but allow space and time for little simple things like that to make memories with my kids in a way 
seek to be hospitable to them so that they felt loved here at home. And I'm grateful that my kids invited their friends to come over as well. So I feel like our table, you know, included a lot of people that we maybe wouldn't have otherwise known had my kids not reached out to them and been a friend with them. I spent a ton of time in my young years with Debbie um, over here, Mrs. Martins, I should say. Uh, old habits die hard. I was telling her today that I sometimes still struggle to call her Debbie because I grew up calling her Mrs. Martins and I spent hours mm. here at the house and spending time with her boys and her girls. And I mean, you guys showed me, that is so true, such mm. wonderful hospitality. I don't know how many dinners I had here, how much time I spent playing in the asparagus patch in the backyard. <laughs> and I mean, Debbie put me to work. Talk about also wanting people to work hard. Like mm. I learned that. My parents were big on that too. You guys uh-huh. must have been talking. Yes. Yeah. But, um, but also I learned that very much here. So that is all true. I want to just jump to our last question here, Debbie, just in the essence of time. Can you share with us what is one of the biggest encouragements that you would give to moms of young children who just want to be faithful in their role to mm-hmm. discipline their children in the Lord? Yeah, you know, in my college years, when my mind seemed a little more uh, able to memorize better, I memorized the book of Philippians. And I'm so grateful that those verses have been drawn back to memory different times to give me encouragement. And um, it's really been a great encouragement to me in my walk with the Lord. And chapter 3, verses 13 through 14 says in the NAS again, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so in that context, Paul is encouraging the church to recognize that they're not perfect, they still live in a fallen world, they're going to sin, but he encourages them to press on. And I, I think there's application for all of us, especially moms, in that verse. Sometimes the days are long, the needs are many, you just are plain exhausted at the end of it all. And that that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> uh, so I would encourage, young mom, I encourage you to just to press on. You know that now that I'm in the retirement years, I'm grateful that God gave strength, and He does give strength for each new day. And I often think of that verse from Matthew six thirty four that says, sufficient is the day for its own trouble. <laughs> and so I don't want to be anxious. Don't be anxious or worried about what the next day may bring forth, but pour yourself into what you need to do today. And I see my life in Jesus more so now as we're entering these retirement years as more like a marathon rather than just a sprint race. He is sufficient, has been sufficient, and continues to be sufficient in my weaknesses, in my discouragements, and in my accomplishments as well, and to recognize that it's all about pressing forward to getting to know Him. We're not going to attain it, this perfection, until we reach eternity, but His sufficiency grants grace and strength for each season of motherhood. So embrace that season. My final words would be just to continue to stay in the Word, remain in community, read good books, listen to good podcasts, which are now available, Just and rest in Him and focus on eternity. Because faithful is He who called you, who will also bring it to pass. So we can rest in His faithfulness, not our own. Well, I think we can end on that. That's so great. Nothing for us to add, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, we really, really appreciate Mm -hmm. you coming on and just being willing to share these truths and point 
all the moms who are listening to Christ as you've done for Laura and I and lots of women in our local context, I know. So yeah, yeah. Thanks, for thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me.